Hello, everyone. Welcome for a brand new episode of One Vision. Today, we have the honor to have Sally Eves, a good friend of ours that we have yet to meet in real life, but I'm sure any of you who have spent any time on social media, you will have come across Sally. She is a fierce advocate for um, gender rights, for education, technology, if you're good, specifically. And um, you would have seen any of her keynotes and actually beautiful pictures on social media, too. That's uh, always a pleasant for the feed. That's always so dry and talking about, you know, uh, some sad things or, or challenges that we face um, in the world today. So thank you so much for joining us, Sally. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you for the lovely introduction. Appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, as, as we mentioned, one of the things we've always associated you is, is technology for good. Now, with that, you founded a company called Aspirational Futures to help skill, empower and support the generation of interdisciplinary talented careers that are yet to be conceived. So can you tell us a little bit more about that organization and, and exactly what inspired you to start it? Absolutely, with pleasure. This is something really close to my heart. So Aspirational Futures is all about three things. And at the heart of it is STEAM learning. So science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics all coming together and all being treated equally. I think that's really important. Um, and the other two pillars are all around tech for good, as you mentioned earlier, and all around social impact at scale. And I feel those three things really fit together very closely. And one aligns with the other and they, they kind of mutually support one another. Um, and for me, it's about diversity of experience. We basically develop programs with underrepresented groups at various different ages, so starting right through from primary school but all the way up to people, you know, for example, in the 40s to 50s that might be more affected by technology change. So there's something for everybody in, that, in those different age groups. And it's all about giving access, giving equal access to learning opportunities um, through practical hands-on learning and support online 24-7 as well. So it's that hybridity, really, in terms of the online and physical hubs where you can go and learn and explore get excited about technology and you kind of alluded that into your in your introduction about quite often we looked at our social media feeds or we turn on the news and frankly it can be quite scary and there's a lot of things that are happening in the world at the moment and I really want to change the narrative um, do that in an evidence-based way but show what we can achieve with technology how we can come together how we can make a difference and aspirational futures is part of that kind of portfolio of what we can do um, and in terms of kind of what inspired me to get there I, I really recognize the fact we all go through different experiences to get where we are we all touch education in different ways and we can come from very different journeys and a lot of my um, education like my MSc for example I did completely um, from a distance learning point of view um, and because of some illness in my family I to do things in a, di in a different way I'm really really aware of that um, I also think touch points are so powerful sometimes it can just be like a 10 minute conversation you may have well, however old you are whatever what point in your life can massively make a difference and if that never happened if you'd never known about a certain type of technology if you didn't have that experience or a one-to-one -one interaction you might be in a completely different place and um, it gives me goosebumps talking about it because it's something that happened to me and some of the people I mentor and things like that and it's so powerful and you want to make those connections and you want to kind of democratize access to those opportunities for as many people as possible so for me that's what it's all about and making learning fun you know we all learn through when we 
often don't realise we're doing it. Those pleasant experiences where we can play and experiment and it's not so prescriptive. So we do a lot of hands-on activity. And uh, one of the things where it started from was like a Sunday activity that I did in my like local town. Um, and it was based a little bit on the makerspace environment and getting lots of kids together on a Sunday morning and taking tech apart. And I partnered like with a local company and they donated some kit. And it was absolutely fantastic for kids to kind of be allowed to be messy, do you know what I mean? And take stuff apart and really uh, see how things tick and put them together in new and creative ways and really get curious about what is what is technology um, and what can we do with it and and also to treat it alongside other things as well so in these spaces you have access to things like like sewing kits and arts and canvases and all sorts of things like that as well so you get that kind of accidental discovery um, and different types of conversations and new experiences and see how one thing can maybe fit to another you know, and uh, I've got a background in languages as part of my background. And actually, there's a lot of similarity with that in tech development and coding. But you don't always necessarily think about it or realise that unless you have that conversation or, or experience it for yourself. Same thing with music, actually, as well. So I keep saying to some of our fellow friends on, on social about forming a band. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we, we um, seriously, there's a lot of opportunity here, I think, to bring things together. So that's what it's all about. Um, so part of it is the learning that's online and programmes around like free to access things on what is AI and making it accessible to people or 5G or blockchain and other things, these practical hubs in your community where we can recreate space and have it as a safe place to go to learn, to explore and to find out something new. Um, and we also run challenges like hackathon style um, projects related to a specific challenge, do it immersively over a day or two days, sometimes at a hub, sometimes at a school, sometimes with a, within a, like a corporate environment, depending on the topic area, and get lots of different people involved and show that there's a role here for all different types of skills. You don't just have to be a coder. You know, you can be you can be the project director. You can be the artist that does some of the graphics around the marketing. There's so many different roles you can play in a project. And we do a lot of things that bring those those skills and experiences together. So you can maybe rediscover what your skill set can actually be put to use for. The kind of the purpose. It comes back to purpose a lot for me with, with things. So yeah, I absolutely love doing that. And for me, this year is a massive year of scale, rolling out a lot more of these hubs and on a very international basis. So yeah, that's kind of my 2020 um, kind of big goal is, is around scale and sustainable scale on that. I, I literally see all kinds of, it, it's almost like putting a puzzle together. Yes. You yeah. you put diversity into action because a lot of times when we talk about diversity, we always focus on on a very, a very narrow definition of diversity, how it enriches an experience like diversity of gender. But what you just described is like diversity of, of backgrounds, diversity of different skill sets and diversity of just different things and, and, and interests, right? You talk about arts, you talk about language, you talk about technology, and, and you talk about forming a band and music and, and all of those things. And a lot of times we forget how enriching something can be when we Absolutely. bring all these different aspects together. I, I, I just love it. And by the way, for, for our listeners who have not followed Sally on, online, I urge you to do that because not only you can get a lot of articles that she writes, but you also get beautiful pictures. I love Thank those you. pictures. Thank you very much. Thank you. I appreciate that. And again, it's the power of art and, and photography and things can kind of help share a story or an experience or emotional connection. And that's kind of my little hobby is the, the photography and the music side of things. So yeah, I, I really love kind of putting that in there. And 
going back to what you said, these, these hubs, this, this whole initiative is around that diversity of experience and showing how these things can, can come together. And we do talk about inclusion and diversity a lot. And for me, that comes down to belonging in many cases, creating spaces online and in person where you feel that you belong. Um, and that, for me, is kind of the truest form, maybe, of inclusion and diversity. And that's certainly the ethos that we, that we try and establish in these hubs and the online platform as well. So some of the things, uh, Professor Sally Eves, that you were talking about, um, I'm, I'm ready to send uh, our boys off to um, Sally Eves' uh, summer camp to destroy and take apart technology. Uh, awesome. I think that they would, they would enjoy that quite a bit. Um, so, so among the teaching that you do, you also had a TEDx talk uh, that has gotten a lot of views when you talk about different disruptive technologies. Uh, you talk about blockchain and genomics, and I want to ask questions about that. And you look at a lot of other technologies. Um, you've talked about some of the, the projects and things that you've been doing with Aspirational Futures. What are some of the technologies that you're really fascinated by that you're really taking apart yourself today? And, um, you know, tell us more about the experience of doing the TED Talk. Oh, I love doing the TED talk. TED talk. Thank you very much. I really enjoyed it. It was a lovely roundhouse feel. Um, I think it's always a real joy when you can do something in a really condensed period of time and afterwards have the great opportunity to speak to lots of people for a long period of time afterwards. There was an awesome interaction before, during and after and made some great friendships from that event as well. I'm going back to the setting of that literally next week, actually, because um, they were de developing a hub in, in association with that university. So it's been a real joy. Um, yeah, for me, I think what's exciting me most about technology at the moment generally is two things. So one, in terms of emergent technology, is the integration opportunity. I think quite often we talk about tech in, in, in a silo, like AI, 5G, cloud or whatever. Um, but at the moment, we're seeing a real integration point, And that really excites me about what we can achieve. And you mentioned there about genomics. Um, I think you know, DNA is the most sensitive data that we have. And obviously, we, we can do a lot if we donate that. For example, for clinical trials, there are a lot of groups, particularly ethnic minority groups, where we simply do not have the volume of quality data to actually use. And if you combine that with conditions that don't have as much research and development um, investment at the moment, if we could encourage people to donate that safely, I think we could achieve great things. But we need to have that trust there. We need to have that confidence to do so. So I think the marriage of blockchain and AI, blockchain to help embed trust um, and security and privacy, um, and you're in control of where you share that to alongside AI, machine learning, et cetera, et cetera, to actually mine that volume of data in related to those types of causes, I think would be very powerful. And that's still quite nascent at the moment. I fully acknowledge that. But the potential to there over a period of time, I think, really excites me. That opportunity in healthcare, I think, will be vast. Um, and also blockchain in the areas like supply chain. I care massively about things like ethical and fair trade. One example project I've been doing is in the fashion industry, actually, around that. One of the industries that touches most people in, in one way, shape, or form but there's always been problems around child labor and really being able to prove where a product has come from right from the manufacturing right through to your retail store and I had an experience um, in New York looking at like smart mirror technology and if, if you do the combination blockchain in the future at the moment RFID and other forms of technology if you're able to walk into that store and literally use the tagging and other identifiable 
information to really source that, see what it's made from. Is it sustainable? And you can evaluate to your own personal value set. I think we'll see a lot more of that. And if you consent to, to provide your data around you know, your social media, for example, as well, it's store could really get to know you as a person and personalise that experience to what you care about. You can make far more informed choices. So obviously the consent side is massively important, the embedding of trust. But in the future, I think that's really going to empower, empower us more. You know, I do a lot of research as well with a few universities and we're really seeing a move away, particularly from Generation Z and millennials. But I think we're only at a tipping point of that at the moment. And it's going to you know, ripple effect of this. But people are moving away from organisations, from brands from products and services. If you don't have that values alignment, you know, we want to be the same in our personal life as our professional one. We want to work from or with or buy from or consume people and people and organisations that match to how we feel and what we believe in. And I think that's really going to drive a lot of change. We're seeing some behavioural change already, but tech can play a massive part in being able to help us to make those choices so we can make a choice based on convenience if we want to or on cost because we need to, or based on sustainability lines as well. But at least we have that information and the power to choose. I don't want to be prescriptive or anything like that because I also massively care about sustainability. But this data really has value. Um, so, yeah, I think that's really exciting times and we can really make a difference here and really build transparency in. The talk about data has value. Um, it, it remind me of somebody um, that I've run into conferences a few times, and I absolutely admire her, Clara. Um, she's very passionate about, you know, making sure we understand AI and algorithms and our responsibility, right, to make sure that is being done ethically. Um, she had a famous line, algorithms have parents. And I've seen her wear that T-shirt with that line in, <laughs> in panels before. It's, it's powerful if you think about it, because oftentimes we like to blame everything that is not working right on machines, right? Oh, it's, it's, it's we didn't do it. It's the algorithm. Oh, it's the black box. It's the AI. We forget the fact that these things just don't come out in a vacuum, right? People create them. People program them. Um, as she say, algorithms have parents. So um, in your viewpoint, when we think about ethics, we think about AI. How do we ensure that we can steer all these very powerful emerging technologies, as you say, to ethical use? Because we are just at the tipping point right now. Absolutely. So I think part of that comes back to the talent pipeline that's developing AI, um, so one of the programs we do with Aspirational Futures, also some things I've involved in a few universities, is again changing the narrative of what a tech career looks like. Um, and building up the talent pipeline about who's building AI. Same thing around cybersecurity and blockchain, actually. We do have a, a not a particularly diverse group of people who's doing that. And that comes back to diversity of experience. It's not just around the gender issue. It's also about, for example, we need people that are historians or philosophers, people with creative backgrounds. I think we need all of those types of experiences to build AI now and into the future. And then we get the best types of solutions and we don't get the opportunity for bias that quite often can be completely unconscious as well. So for me, it's about developing that talent pipeline. And part of that is addressing why we have drop-off in STEM stroke STEAM learning and we have that in three key places with early kind of secondary schools we would call it in, in, in the UK then at GCSE kind of age 14 and then even when people are taking it as a degree degree type subjects we don't always have the uptake that then carries through into careers so addressing that is massively important and I think part of that is down to saying you know what really can we do in a tech career and 
really bringing to the fore the purpose about what we can build and showing how many different roles there are and that we can make a difference both from a digital transformation point of view for business but also for society too so I think that's massively important and I've just con- I contributed a book on developer advocacy and that was really showing about how we all have a voice and in our roles what we can do with that and how we can be visible how we can share our stories and encourage people to do the right thing because at the end of the day technology like many other things is a duality um, we have that collective responsibility and we can make the choices about what purpose we put it to you know it doesn't really matter what we look at we move, quite often we drive a car and we have the choice of how we drive that and what we do with it you know everything we do we have a choice of, of what happens with it and technology is no different to that so we have to take collective responsibility but part of the big issue here for me is skills and embedding ethics by design to a certain extent and the talent pipeline I think there is absolutely key. So, so let's talk about that then for a minute, Sally. Um, when you talk about the, the technology talent pipeline and you think about social impact, um, you, you talked about you know, people learning the sciences, but also being very cognizant of music and other sort of mm. influences in their life. How would you coach you know, someone uh, along that was, you know, a, a, it could be a group of kids, it could be um, you know, a group of college students that were thinking about how their interest in different technologies could make social impact. How would you go about you know, saying these are the things that you should think about and these are the type of technologies that are really potentially really, really most impactful for the common good. Mostly by demonstration, um, by really bringing to life real world projects that I've been personally involved in, although I'm very confident in what they're doing and I've really been active and involved in that. I think the application side of technology is absolutely vital. People need to be able to kind of see, feel and touch what can be done and really bring that to life. We do a lot of immersive experiences, for example, so it could put you in somebody else's shoes and in, in the shoes of somebody in different roles in a team, for example. And that really builds that awareness of what is actually possible. You know, I think bringing the art of the possible to life is absolutely vital. So yeah, for me, it's being hands-on with things so you can touch and feel it, experience it for yourself, but bringing to life the people behind the tech and the projects that are making a difference. So you know, even, even the book that I've got coming out shortly as well is very case study-led. It really brings that feel. So you feel that you know, whatever interest you've got and where you think you might want to go, it can give you that opportunity to kind of feel part of that and see if that really is for you. And you might want to change your mind and go into a different area, but that's all based on experience. The more experiences we can give people, the more knowledge we can share, we can help people to, to evolve and grow and also have that confidence to change as well. So I think that's massively important education. I think you know, there's an expression, isn't there, about um, learning for life. It's been around for a number of years, but I think now in twenty. 20 and beyond that expression has never been more vital we have to be comfortable with ambiguity to a certain extent and have that you know have that thing to learn to unlearn to grow um, and to constantly be developing both as ourselves and, and the people that are coming through the programs we all learn from those types of experiences so that's a big part of it too so steam for me is also around um, helping people to be confident with change and to, to kind of, yeah, to grow with that and to accept it and to be less fearful of it. And if you've got the right skill sets to do it, it makes everything else far more comfortable in the, in the, in the, in the future. So I talk about the like, ambidextrous organisations, but we've got the same thing as, as people, as human beings as well. I think that's, that's a key thing. We would like to give a mention to our creative partner, Tremendousness. Tremendousness is a creative agency that uses visual thinking 
information design, and storytelling to help organizations explore innovations, products, and processes. Learn more at www.tremendo.us. I love learning for life. Um, yes. I think that's something that we, we tend to forget, right? Because education shouldn't just be the, the extra four years you spend in college or, you know, extra you spend a master and PhD. It's, it's beyond that. Everything Absolutely. that we do, we can learn from every day. And that's, that is what's so amazing about children. I think I, 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 I see how you get so much joy working with kids because they're always curious. They always want to learn more. They ask questions. And it almost seems like somehow we, we lose that as, as we get older, right? We forget. We have to learn. We get disenfranchised. We stop asking questions. We, kept, we, we stop poking. Why? Why are we doing things a certain way? Um, and it's, it's the most unfortunate, but I think we need to regain that skill. I think so. That you know, being that curiosity we have as kids and you see in kids is a great thing. And I'm actually doing some work with some big, big like corporate organisation at the moment to try and build that into organisational life and to create that space to be able to almost reconnect with that um, in, in a number of organisations at the moment. So there'll be more that I'm sharing on that quite soon. So again, it's around tech for good, but it's around the, the, embedding that in the culture and the values and the mindset and how we, yeah, kind of re-embracing that kind of approach, which is really exciting. And the experiences I've had with the aspirational hubs um, and seeing that learning journey and then applying it into organizations it's a there's a real reciprocal benefit there and i find that really fascinating uh yeah so i love doing that and obviously i do some advisory work around technology itself because i'm my background as a cto so i love having that mix of being able to look at the application of technology but also relating it back to organized sorry organizational culture and values and education for me this interplay whether it's with you know technology building and application or with with the kids and the learning and development cycle that we're doing they, they all feed one another. So I think that's really, really exciting. It's a real joy. So talk about learning, um, right? You have written quite a few books, uh, Preparing for the World in 2028, which is eight years away. Um, <laughs> Dewey in Education in the 21st Century, as well as the other one that you just briefly mentioned, Developer Advocacy. Can you tell us a little bit more about each of these? Um, what, what inspired you to write them? And what are some of the key takeaways for those of us who haven't read all of them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first one you mentioned about 2028, that the key thing there was bringing together different perspectives um, and making knowledge more accessible. Uh, I'm very passionate about that, about, you know, we, we all have a different um, area that we care about probably the most. But well, I think we're all keen to find out about other areas and how they might come together. So we wanted to do interviews and see people's journeys and their careers what their particular view was, people from an academic background, from a government background, from a, a civil service, um, civil society, big corporates, bleeding edge startups, to get that different diversity of thought. And I think that's really creative when we're looking ahead. You know, I get asked at the moment a, a lot to talk about 2030 as a big year for, for, for obvious reasons, as a kind of big milestone. And I think to be able to do that, you know, the speed of change is vast, isn't it? We've got, you know, look at the data we've got at the moment, the veracity, the volume, the veracity of that is ever growing. And with 5G coming, you know, more mainstream, that's only going to get ever bigger. So we've got all this out there, we've got all this noise out there. 
and we can only predict so much but I think we can best do that and we can best anticipate the future by bringing diversity of perspectives and experience together so that was the genesis behind that and it helps again that whole thing about thinking and learning when you bring different perspectives together it helps you think differently you say I haven't come from it from that angle beforehand and then it challenges you to develop something new around that and to approach it differently it's a bit why I, I love doing keynotes you know I try, as you've noticed I'm, I'm quite often in an aeroplane but um, and uh, I love doing that because again if you speak to different types of audiences you learn something new you get asked different types of questions at an academic audience than you do at a, you know, a big tech event for example and I love that differential um, and the second book you mentioned on Dewey was very much along that basis as well that was more academic uh, that was mostly in association with uh, Cambridge University and also University of Edinburgh and it was based on looking at a book by John Dewey really seminal philosopher and it was a hundred year anniversary of his book and we were looking about how relevant is that today and what can we learn from from his publication and you know what we looked at it and probably more relevant today than it was than it was written at the time and it was about community learning um, learning by experience the experiential effect and I think, again, everything I talk about about STEAM comes back down to that. And how do you create spaces where people can feel empowered? They can learn from one another to have that confidence, that empathy, things around emotional intelligence. A lot of he, he was talking about that in a slightly different way. But essentially, it's what I think we need more of now and that integration effect. So, yeah, I really enjoyed doing that. And also it's been beneficial in another way um, because some of his learning and his theory around the future of education helped me in terms of thinking, how do I design these hubs, you know, these physical spaces for people to go? Help me think about how do I create the right type of space where you can get people from different experiences kind of mingling. You know, almost like the water cooler effect. But how do you actually try and embed that into how you design a building? Or if you're going to reclaim a building, which I've done in a few different cities that was neglected, you know, how can I bring that to life in a new way? Um, that's helped me think about how to do that and what might have the best chance of success. And again, if it hasn't worked, I've been documenting that journey. So I've got a research paper coming out later this year around emergent technology integration, but how we can develop the skills and the space to help people learn to help apply that. Um, so again, it's helped me from that point of view. So it's been a really exciting thing to do. So, so again, it comes back to, you know, my CTO, my CTO head does one thing in terms of that and the advisory work I do around how you apply tech. Um, but equally, my education hat is over here and in the middle, the kind of sweet spot is, is impact, social impact and tech for good. And so that's kind of the way my brain works myself, I think, in terms of these different perspectives all the time. And I thought that could be a really valuable thing I hope to share with other people. Um, you know, and the books I've got coming out this year, they're all raising funds for, for the nonprofit. Um, and the perspective around them, again, is sharing knowledge, getting that out there, hopefully helping give people, you know, inspiration about what we can do with tech and how it's relevant to you as a person, to your family, to your business. Um, and to your wider society as well. So it's, yeah, helping to think differently and bringing different insights together. I, I love this idea of um, not just lifelong learning, but this um, the, the, the process of writing a book and doing research and preparing a keynote, um, what you learn during that moment uh, of aha when you um, click with a topic. Um, the Art of the Possible, you had said yes. earlier. Uh, Absolutely. With the two other books that you're working on now, the Developer Advocacy book and the Edge of Disruption, um, it just it made me think of you know this idea of of learning as you go through a topic and you have a discovery and you just it's it's such a joy um, to be able to then teach others uh, what you have learned. 
tell us a little bit more about, you know, what you're really diving into in these two books. And, you know, what have, what have you learned through writing these books um, the most that you'd like to share with people that are considering doing the same? Yes, yeah, so absolutely. So for, for me, kind of the inspiration for the two books this year, so it's Edge of Disruption and then a Tech for Good book that's coming out um, later on. Um, a, it's bringing perspectives together, meeting people that are experiencing things in their life that I think can be enabled by using technology. And we're talking about like our personal lives as individuals and as families, our business lives, and also wider societal with some of the challenges that we're facing at the moment. I think it's a real joy to be able to go through that process, to articulate in a way that I think is more accessible. It helps us all to think differently. I think that's a real joy. It's about changing the narrative in many cases. We see a lot of headlines in different types of press talking about technology. I think AI being the classic example that gets people afraid. And it's understandable. We have a natural you know, human resistance to change in many, in many respects. But I think with AI in particular, I was involved in a report, um, you know, working together with a number of different businesses and universities, really evidence-led. And I thought really good quality. And within one sentence, in like one sub-paragraph, it talked about a particular type of job, job role being more adversely affected. And that's important. Now, we need to know about that because then we can negate that and we can upskill and we can put in different planning in processes to help that not happen or to transfer those skills into a different type of role. But every kind of headline picked up on that and used words like, you know, destruction, elimination, things that would understandably get people afraid. I think we need to address that balance. So for me, the real joy of researching and investigating and seeing projects come to life is being able to articulate that to other people and share that and show, do you know what? Technology is something to get excited about. It gives me goosebumps talking about it, but let's come on board here and be curious, ask questions, don't be afraid to do that. Give people sources where they can look for information for themselves, build up their own community about things they care about and give people those touch points, the places to go to find their own way to get involved in tech. And that's been a massive joy. And I think words can touch people. And I think I mean, um, Theo touched on things like photography earlier. But again, using that as well, I've put that into one of the books because I want to bring the voices out there, you know, and I think sometimes you can see that. I wanted to create a book that you could touch and feel if that makes sense, you know, something that, they, that you would want to really immerse into. So the two books have got different types of flavours to them, I would say, um, but they're very much bringing these experiences to life. And it doesn't matter if you, you're you working or interested in or affected by, for example, healthcare or education or retail or shopping. You know, it doesn't really matter. There's something in there that I think you would relate to. And that was very deliberate. I wanted you to better kind of dip into it and find something that you were curious about, you didn't know about, maybe you were scared about and put, put it in there that puts it into context and it gives you the information, I hope, that you can make your own informed choice about, is that a good thing? What do we need to do about it? What can we do next? And to put your own plans into place to say, do you know what, I want to find out more about that. But not only that, there's a lot of places to go there where you can follow up, you know, it's like calls to action where you can, okay, oh no, well that, so it's trying to give you, you those signposts to find out more and be curious um, and get that information. Because I, I always think it's a wonderful thing, hopefully to inspire people, but then you want to be able to follow that through and actually give them the action points to take it on board and do something with it at the same time. So alongside this, obviously with the foundation, there's so much knowledge there that, that's freely available for people to look up. And so it links into that as well. So I, I think it tries to bring things full circle. Um, and I'm showcasing a lot of people and a lot of projects that I think are making a massive difference in the world. And hopefully that will encourage people to, to roll on with that as well, you know, and think, do you know what, I can do that. I'm inspired by that. And I've got some insights from this about how to make that 
possible and bring it to life. And that would be a real legacy joy for me if if we get that. You know, I want to build a kind of contagion of change around these types of topic, topics. Um, and at the moment, I, I kind of mentioned earlier about 2020 being a year of scale. I've made a commitment alongside a lot of my friends at the UN to roll out 5,000 aspirational futures hubs over three years and do that on a truly global basis, not just in cities either, but in rural areas, because again, that can be an area that's left behind. Um, and as you probably see, I do a lot of work in 5G and connectivity, and part of that is directly related to that. Because at the end of the day, if you haven't got those building blocks of infrastructure and connection, then it doesn't matter if we're talking about blockchain or AI or anything else, because you need those things in place first. So yeah, for me, it's these stepping points, these stepping stones of action and books, I think can be a powerful way to document that as well. You know, we all learn, we all consume, we all interact in media in different ways. And if we can have that kind of portfolio, that, like, that, yeah, I always think of like a wheel, the different cogs on it. If you can connect with people in different ways through music, through video, through social media shorts, through longer pieces in writing, hopefully there's something there that will touch your heart, your experience, and it will resonate and you can take that further. Sally, you're inspirational. Bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I, I really care about yeah. it. I have to stop myself talking sometimes. <laughs> once I start, you can't. I'm like, I'm like Pringles. Once you start, I can't stop. <laughs> no, no, but, but you are, though, and it comes through from what you do. It comes through from what you say, and, and words matter, right? Mm, words do. do matter. Um, I, I don't, even in, in today's you know, society where we all seem to have a, some sort of attention deficit disorder, we don't know how to read beyond the tweet. Um, it seems like some governments actually governed by tweets. But um, even with that, it, it, words matter and how we portray things matter. And to your early point, when we were talking about technology and, and why people are scared, people are scared of change, but people are also scared of narrative because it's something that they, they're not sure about. So by, by you doing what you do, you bring a picture, a picture of hope, a picture of how we can do things differently, a picture of how we can use technology for good to improve the lives of not just those who are in the cities, but those that are in rural areas, people that are oftentimes being forgotten, right? Those are important. And so it's important work that you're doing. And so please do keep it up. Um, I do have one last question uh, uh, for you. It's, um, you know, as part of all of the work that you're doing, you know, working with corporates, uh, working with different big organizations, um, you also do mentoring. You're a very active mentor in technology and business. What are some of your favorite moments that you can share with us? Oh my gosh, I love mentoring. I absolutely do. And I, I do it with different types of age groups as well, which, which is brilliant as well. I think in, um, the other thing is intergenerational mentoring, I think is absolutely fantastic. So one thing I've done quite recently is like a hackathon style, but a hackathon with a difference. So I think hackathons are brilliant. And, I, and you know, lots of immersive activity around a challenge, condensed period of time, absolutely awesome. I get really excited about it. Um, but I think the one thing you have to do is make sure you carry on the learning afterwards and so we do it in a different way. So it's not like one winner, if you know what I mean. It's much more collaborative, much uh, much more shared value for everybody taking part. Um, and then there's an outcome. So we do mentoring for a year afterwards, for example, which I love. And so I do this with, with corporate organisations and I do it purely in non-profit as well. I do a whole mixture of these. But I like to get a different balance of people there. So different sectors, different types of you know, departments within an organisation and different age groups. So we did one recently, which is about kind of hacking your city. And hack is one of those funny words because it can be, again, about words matter. But it, it's in its truest like, entomology about understanding how something works, what makes it tick. 
Um, so we, we centralised it on a city and got people involved. About, you know, what would you want to change? If you could do anything in your city, what would it be? And people focus on different areas. We help them create teams based on their different experiences that really mix things up. And we had like great groups of people. Youngest was 11 um, and the oldest was 94. And she'd seen her city all the way through through those 94 years. She'd never moved either, which was amazing. And the joy of not only seeing projects develop it from it and having the, you know, having the interactions yourself, uh, seeing the interactions between the people in the groups. And she, particularly this 94-year-old lady, was the most amazing mentor um, with these kids herself and didn't even realise she was doing it. So sometimes the joy of mentoring is not just the one-to-one experience she may have with a mentee. It can be seeing it happen organically in a group as well. And that was absolutely awesome. Um, we've seen a lot of things with, with, with kids in particular who have come in you know, not necessarily having as much confidence, not wanted to speak in public and have gone through to be an MC at an event within like an 18 month period and kind of say, hey, hang on, I want to be on the stage. I want to talk. And it's brilliant. It's absolutely amazing to see that empowerment is a real, real joy. Um, and I think two of the things more recently as well, again, kind of connecting my sort of CTO um, techie background with the education one and the impact one. So a couple of other examples are we've been doing a lot around accessibility and some of the children that have been going through um, our program at the moment um, have had a disability, for example, loss of a particular limb. And they had some amazing, incredible ambitions of what they wanted to do with the career. But they were, they, were, they were lacking confidence if that would be a barrier for that coming true. Um, so what we've been working on is improving like, their confidence and articulating how they feel and making connections with organisations to make that dream come true. And quite a few of these have been involving sport as well. And the other thing is connecting with organisations that can help. So we've been doing things about 3D printing, for example, um, and an amazing bionics organisation that have come on board and are working with us. So again, it's taking this full life cycle, the skills, confidence, um, to be able to talk and communicate and say, do you know what, I can make this happen. I really want this and I can do this. And then some practical support as well to actually help, help actualize that. And that's been a massive joy, absolutely. Yeah, I'll be able to share something more specific soon where I just want to check that they're, they're happy with that. But they're, they're an amazing ambassador and role model. and Their stories are fantastic. So I absolutely love that. Um, and I think the other things from mentoring as well is some people that I've worked with that are slightly older have actually come on board on some of the projects I'm running. So I'm doing a couple of things around financial inclusion and uh, particularly out in Africa. So like breaking down barriers, because we've talked about education a lot here in technology. And I think the one thing we maybe haven't touched on is a different form of literacy, which is financial literacy. So I work with like a, a big card company um, around payments and looking at things like blockchain um, and transparency there. Um, but more locally in Africa, I'm working with a startup organisation that have now just come to London, and that's breaking down barriers um, around like, cross-border payments and things like that, and it's all around identity. Um, some very exciting things there, but Africa, prolifically, we've done a lot of work there, and a couple of these kids uh, you know, from Kenya are now on board and have got key roles in that project. You know, I think that's amazing. I think going back to mentoring, it's it's that peer-to-peer, they're creating that cycle where someone comes in and then they almost take over that role and they take, you know, it's an amazing kind of virtuous cycle really if you can have, have that happening and then when you see that being repeated in different countries, it makes you feel that, you know what, this is, this is, this is creating that, that, that contagion effect and going back to words again, I kind of want to claim the, reclaim the word contagion because it's associated with negative stuff and I think we can reclaim that around positive action, around a contagion of change, this wave of tech for good and tech for good, steam, as I always talk about, 
technology itself being used both emergent and repurposed for older technology too and then being able to scale that sustainably that for me is kind of the holy grail if I could leave a legacy around that and with aspirational futures that would be my joy in life I think to be honest with you that would yeah that, that, that's what that's what I would love to do. You're already leaving an amazing impression on a lot of people and helping to change lives. So um, if there is one thing I would probably conclude this with is I have absolutely no idea how you can do all that with 24 hours a day. Um, Either you have amazing and secretive cloning technology or you just don't (laughs) sleep. <laughs> but it's 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 fascinating and and thank you so much for the conversation. We could keep going and going. I feel like we've learned so much uh from you. We've learned a lot about you. And uh thank you for for continuing to be an advocate. Thank you for continuing to giving back to to the world and um thank you for making the society a better place for more people. So thank you so much. It's been a real joy speaking to you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Sally. Thank Thank you, you, Sally.